your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I, I get in my cowboy mode because it's cowboy music, and it's just you know what? We need more upbeat theme th- song for you. Something, something different. Yeah, maybe like Mitch's old song. Do do do. Oh, Uptown Funk. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, because this just gets me into. Uh-oh, I almost put Guns N' Roses right there. we got to get rid of that. Uh, that's you to be a lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chergoski. Happy Friday, Rick. He's hanging out as he does most Fridays. and Even I'm, a festy Friday last week. Yeah, interesting. Uh, nothing nothing interesting, actually. No squirrel tosses. or I mean, that's the, it's so funny that, like, the, the Oktoberfest, I don't know, maybe there were some things and the police haven't come out with it. Yeah, you never know if there's going to be that big thing that happens during Oktoberfest or if there will be the typical level of mischief. Because we always just go back to the squirrel. Uh, One year, college students were throwing a dead squirrel. And that's kind of, okay, we got to get over that, I think. Um, So much, so many things going on today, but let's, let's just, okay, what, like, briefly, we've got the Brewers thing that happened yesterday. Which is, you know, the the deception in the Brewers thing is is always funny. We have another person running for U.S. House of Representatives here in the third congressional district. Um, I don't know if you want to do anything on the like House Speaker we situation. We I, I don't, uh, you know, like I don't know how fired up you get. When I had Keith in here yesterday, I'll just say this is my like. I don't. I think national politics. This is my take with everything that's going on. I wrote a whole thing to myself, and I don't know if, how much I'm getting. I have to look at it before. But everything that happens is we're like, meh, that's my thing. That's like, that's what we, anything that happens, it's like, holy, like we, we ousted the house speaker, right? I think there's been so many earth shattering events in American politics lately that when each new one comes along, it seems maybe insignificant. We have had a wild stretch over the past number of years in American government American government is always interesting. Right now, we are in a particularly intense time of change and upheaval. This is another example. Maybe it doesn't inspire the same reaction, though, because we've had so many crazy, earth-shattering, momentous events in politics. I mean, this truly is one, though, Rick. When you look at this historically, we have to go back a really, 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 really long way to find anything similar to what's happening in the House of Representatives right now. So it truly is historic. Yes, yeah, so, and we don't it, – it's never happened. I think maybe people that, like yourself that study this stuff have to figure out, okay, how do I take this? And then how do how do I – I don't even know what you do with something it's like that. It's really tough when you lack a historical model, a historical precedent, because then you have to – Maybe look at how Congress today would manage these uncharted territories. And typically in a situation like this, we just go back to the most similar example of something similar. Happen- we just don't have that in this case. Yeah, this thing. But but here's the thing is it happens and it's it's so it's almost normalized. Like we we, we yep. kind of to, for for McCarthy to get to the where he was. It took 13 votes, right? Yeah, which was yeah. never happened, which literally is never, right? Did it never take more than so one vote? Th- there have been multiple ballots for a speaker. But again, Rick, in terms of maybe new things happening that didn't happen for a while, it's typical for a speaker to get elected on one ballot. Now, in previous years, 
going way, way, way back in the House of Representatives, there are examples of multiple ballots being needed to elect a speaker. So that had happened before, but it just wasn't something that seemed possible. Okay, so that wasn't like extra or out of the ordinary. You know, (laughs) there was a historical precedent in that case, multiple votes for the speaker, multiple rounds of balloting. Yeah, we could look back at history and say, yep, this has happened before. Maybe not recently. It has happened before. Right now, we're really in uncharted waters. And and a lot of my like rant to myself that nobody's going to see probably, and I'll just eat it for the rest of eternity, is it dealt with like Trump. And like everything that's happening with Trump is A, like a lot. I don't know. I don't know. If any, like who in the who in the history of the world or the country has this many like legal issues? Also, social media and media can covers this like crazy because of who he is. So we wouldn't cover somebody that was Joe Schmo. Maybe I don't know. Like, and I don't know if there's a like who's. Can you compare anyone that's had ninety? What is it? Ninety one indictments. Yeah, 90, Rick, what you mentioned about like digital media, social media, the new information age. That's why even if we had precedents for what is going on with Donald Trump, I don't know how useful they would be because our technological environment, our media environment, is completely different from what it used to be. Similarly, even if we had a precedent for what happened with Kevin McCarthy, maybe that precedent would have been too long ago for it to be at all useful today so yeah, you would, you would i don't know it. how much we actually learn from history at this point in to some extent when it comes to the political turmoil of today the political upheaval of today given just what in a different different zone we are yeah the media is completely different you're not getting it in a newspaper right or however before that you know like a daily oh, i'll wait for the newspaper the next morning see what happened and then who reads the newspaper at that point not everybody um, and then uh, just the the amount of things that happen to so we've kind of normalized the abnormal, yes. and and that begins with you could go with right now with the House Speaker you could go with the four, four court cases with Trump you could go back to okay we're impeaching Biden eh we've impeached Donald Trump twice eh like it's it, none of it matters like it doesn't none of it seems to 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 be like ah uh, like. Shocking. Yeah, it really doesn't seem to register to the public as a momentous event, probably to the extent that it would if any of these one things happened in isolation. Now, you talk about impeachment. Absolutely. We're seeing more and more impeachment, talk about impeachment. That was not previously the case. The turmoil in Congress. Congress has always been messy. There's always been difficulties in making Congress function as an institution. But I think this is something different than what we've seen before when it comes to the difficulties Congress has faced. You've studied, you've been at UWL for? This is now my sixth year. Sixth year, okay. So you've been, a, and you've studied this stuff since probably when? Yeah, since I was in grad school. Like 2010? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2010, so somewhat, somewhat abnormal. You started with somewhat, like Obama and then the fight around Obama, right? Yes. Like No, or was that before? That was right at that time, right? Yeah, kind the of right Obama the presidency, the reaction to the Obama presidency. Obviously, Obama was a historic president in terms of his so race. You, you, but there are different is reasons you, that Obama could— Oh, yeah. no, but I was saying you started with kind of some turmoil, some yes, uh, yes. some some uniqueness. Yes. But if I got Joe Hyman here, your, your former colleague, right, his reaction to what's going on right now, or in Keith yesterday— they they they're like oh, what in that you know bleep is going on because they've experienced 
more more things in history with government and political science. That, that is we- a great point, Rick. You know, I talk to my students who are in their late teens, early twenties. All they have known is a bitterly divided society. All they have known is a dysfunctional government. So perhaps, especially among that crowd, these events don't really register as being particularly significant because they're used to dysfunction. They're used to institutions that don't work. They're used to people fighting with each other all the time. So I think that's a great point. Someone like Keith or Joe Heim, they have that longer range view. I mean, heck, going back through like the 80s, the 90s, think about how much politics is different now versus back then. I think that perspective taking is a really interesting point. I think there's something to it, how people who are maybe younger might not think any of this is really that a bi- that big of a deal. They're used to a government that seems out of control. Yeah, and you could do you could do that for almost any well a, a lot of different things. Climate, we've sure. normalized the ridiculousness of climate. If you go back fifty years, and be like, well, we never had this many things that happen, you know, in terms of events. And then you could go to uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, World War II uh, concentration camps, stuff like that. Well. For, nobody has we don't have the first person experience of that hardly anymore although you know Viterbo and them try to have speakers once in a while but those people are almost gone and then moving forward to like the Russia invasion of Ukraine and there's a certain amount of it's hard to say genocide but it's it's I've I've listened to experts talk about it. so like well we don't even have an experience from that for for people you know from your age and up you know maybe there's no like historical, like it doesn't keep going. Like there's no historical reference there. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the government become progressively dysfunctional, like more and more, the American society become more and more divided. I mean, when I first became politically aware was around 9-11. That's kind of the age I'm at. I remember everyone coming together, George W. Bush having like 90% approval ratings, <laughs> Democrats and Republicans being in lockstep with one another about the situation and there really being no divisions in society, or at least a lot of the divisions had maybe been put to the side for a little bit. And then, you know, I think my story of becoming politically aware and then studying politics has been a story of that unity post 9-11 becoming disunity becoming more disunity, becoming bitter division, becoming hatred, becoming normalized, becoming normalized. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to shoot us a text, give us a call. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski on here. Tregoski comes in with notes, and he's got a he, we, we've got a pretty good like back and forth on what we want to talk about. And then when I drive in, I talk to text myself. Uh, like a Scott's comment almost <laughs> to myself. And I, I, I should have, I, sh- I could have made it a Scott's comment because he was sick the, the last two days. And we, I, whoa, I would have done that. I just didn't think of it. Um, well, that's why there was no Scott's comment. Yeah. Okay. He's been sick. So, um, and then, yeah, I have these, like this, this new, my new thing, my new, it's not a can like, I like to come up with like Democrats, you need better campaign phrases. The, the uh, I shouldn't have to think about it. Healthcare. That's my like. If I was running for for Congress or something where I, if I could deal with healthcare, be like I don't I don't have to think about a healthcare where you just go to the doctor. So this one is, and I don't, it's not a campaign thing, but like it's like we shrug it off politics. 
doesn't matter what it happened. The newest one, and what got me is the the Donald Trump nuclear secrets. Like he gave nuclear secrets to some Australian billionaire, and then that guy went and told forty five other people, and that sounds pretty serious. And my whole thing is like, so Donald Trump was reading classified documents about our nuclear submarine capabilities. And there, I'm there. You lose me right then and there. Like that's it. Like I don't believe Donald Trump was reading classified documents about nuclear. Somebody had to read that to him and give him the cliff notes, or be like, "Hey, Donald, did you know we have seventy two warheads and whatever it is?" So like, um, but the whole thing, and I, I want to move on to something more lighthearted. But the whole thing is like we just shrug it off or we don't believe it. Yeah, the more things just pile up, add it to the pile of weird things in politics crazy things in politics, dramatic things in politics, unprecedented things in politics. You just add it to the pile at this point. I mean, that was my thing. That used to be my old my old uh, phrase, the uh, the unprecedented president or something yeah. like that, you know. Rick, this is a real strategic question in the 2024 presidential campaign. Let's assume that Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, which at this point seems like a very safe assumption given his standing in the polls. How do you go after him if you're the Biden campaign? Will attacks on Trump uh, related to his legal issues register with the public? Has the public already tuned that out? Has the public already priced that in to their evaluations of Donald Trump? Can you move the needle at all on Donald Trump if you are the Biden team by going after Trump on his legal issues? I'm skeptical, honestly. Because it is that add it to the pile kind of situation right now where there's a lot of news, a lot of weird and wild things happening in politics. It just, to some extent, doesn't seem to be registering. The public seems to be numb to a lot of this stuff, for better or for worse. And I'll just say it, and I don't want to, but so many things are happening at Donald Trump. From yeah. And you can go back to yeah. double impeachments. Yep. And now four court cases. Is it four court cases? And is there a, going to be a fifth? I don't know. Rick. I don't want to get. Yeah. So that's enough. I don't want to. I don't even want. And it's ninety-one indictments, and now it's the nuclear secrets, and it's like. And you ask, what does Biden's campaign have to do? Seems like they're doing it. Yeah. What? Whether that you know, and the conspiracy theorists will say everybody is after Donald Trump, working for Biden or something. If you want to go off the wall, but let's flip it. Let's flip it. You don't. Did you see this story here? Donald Trump wants future Republican debates to be canceled after refusing to participate in them. Donald Trump's campaign is calling on the Republican National Committee to cancel all remaining presidential primary debates, saying the RNC must instead refocus its manpower on defeating Joe Biden next year. I get it. I mean, Donald Trump is running away with this thing. The polls continue to suggest that Trump has about a 40-point advantage over Ron DeSantis in the polls for the Republican nomination. Is this a strategy of how Democrats debate versus how Republicans? Because remember, Republicans debate, they debate each other, which I think is is somewhat helpful, although although the last two debates seem to be complete disasters and not informative or productive. Uh, Democrats debate, and it's like, uh, we're all in this together, arms locked, and they're skipping through a hayfield, and they have all the same positions on everything, and it's just like, who do you think looks better i don't you know so that neither of the strategies work but trump trump saying we shouldn't debate at all that's not a strategy because then you don't have to do anything or be held accountable for anything also you don't get to practice debating debates are an important ritual in democracy now debates often do not affect election results they often do not affect polls very rarely in fact does a democrat versus republican debate 
for a political office actually matter. Really? Yeah, especially nowadays when both sides are so is dug that, in. Is that federally? So for for like, president. Yeah, we have very few examples of a presidential debate, Democratic okay. candidate versus Republican candidate actually mattering. Okay, what about uh, – mayor's race is funny because like 3,000 people vote for it and yeah. it's just like – just ridiculous, but like assembly rep stuff like that, the debates that we were part of. Yeah, the further up you get on the ladder in terms of pol- po- uh, po- office, yeah, the less the debate will matter. So, for example, the debate for president would matter very little. The and debate that, for that, lacrosse mayor could matter a lot. Right. I get that because we kind of know who we want for president. Absolutely. Like we can just read enough about him. But as you go down, like you can't research enough about the next person exactly how much do you know about the candidates and how strong are people's positions on the candidates their views of position the candidates going into the debate in the case of a local office people might not know that much about the candidates people may not have had the opportunity to research the candidates so the debate could matter quite a bit i actually have no doubt that the debates we held for the mayor of lacrosse may have played a role in the outcome of the election. Well, there were only 13 of them. Yeah, there were. There That's going to come up, too. We're going to have to, like, as a city and as a media structure and, and entities that yeah. surround that, not even just media, we had, we had like, uh, other entities in the community holding debates. And I don't have a problem with that, but I think, like, we need to, like, all be part of that and make it, like, five debates. I think there's a balance to be struck because at, in these local offices, the debates can make a big difference. People may not have strong views of the candidates, certainly not strong views in the way that they have strong views of the presidential candidates or the candidate for governor or the candidate for the United States Senate. So debates can make a big difference. Plus, people may not have a lot of information about the candidates. I think we need debates at the local level, maybe not 13. Okay, we have three stories here that are not, we're just going to, we're going to loosen it up. We got to have some fun here. We use. You know, we we always start the show and we're like, we got to have some fun. And then we I do this. I hijack my own show. I guess I'm not really hijacking if I'm flying the show. Um, and then we get to like a minute left in the show. And it's like, oh, yeah, we had these awesome, super hilarious stories that we never talked about it. But we need to talk about it. But in this context, too, Tchaikovsky, well, I'll give you the headlines. But what at the end of the day, do we have the information? Because we read these ridiculous stories and then it's like uh, the the salad lady, right? She stole a $500 salad yes. from some salad place, but yes. we didn't know what was in the salad. Exactly. There's always those little nitty-gritty details. So the three stories that we have that are kind of ridiculous, and I don't know if it's the same scenario where this extra detail would have been, but I could see this first one. Man crashes vehicle into police station while blasting Guns N' Roses' Welcome to the Jungle, right? Is yes. that the song? Okay, yes. don't, we're going to go to break, but I'm just teasing it. Um, Wally, the emotional support alligator went to see a Phillies game. Uh, they didn't let the alligator in because no. you, it was an alligator on a leash. He was trying to go, the guy trying to go to a Phillies game. Like just imagine you're, you're, you know, on dog night, but they have alligator <laughs> night. Also it was Philadelphia. It wasn't like Florida. No one leaves alive. And then this one happened in the Minneapolis airport. U S custom officials sees giraffe. That would be ridiculous if it ended there, right? Like, sees a giraffe, like emotional support giraffe, <laughs> like the emotional support peacock. We've had Ian Turner, the lacrosse airport regional director, on to talk, talk to us about, like, how does this work and what have you seen? Uh, but U.S. Customs officials sees giraffe feces from woman at Minneapolis airport. Oh, so those, those are the three. We're going to lighten it up when we come back. 
know what this is. Now we've turned into the Jim Rome show, <laughs> the jungle. That's true. I forgot about that until I heard the music. I'm like, oh wait a minute, the Jim Rome show does this. Uh, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Welcome back to the jungle. I'm Rick Solom, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tragoski in here. We have to play Welcome to the Jungle right now because one of these stories that happened this week, what, did it just happen? What, when did this happen? It was pretty recent. It was last week. Yeah. It was last week. Yeah. Uh, a guy drove into a police station blasting Guns N' Roses. And we have three of these stories that are ridiculous. Yes. And we always end end up just with wanting more. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. And and as a media, we get the we get the like headline grabbing. I call it headline porn. You you want to read and you get some of the details, but there's never a follow up, unless you're you know I guess you would really have to pay attention to ABC Seven, which is maybe the local affiliate there in New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, to see if they do a follow up. But you would never you would never do that because you've already got the headline porn of guy drives into a police station blasting GNR. Well, yeah, I just want to know why. This is from KABC. A New Jersey man is facing several charges after authorities say he intentionally crashed his vehicle into a police station. Okay, that's a good while, detail. Intentionally. What? Intentionally, yes. All while blasting Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. I watched the surveillance video, Rick. He crashes through the wall of the police station. Then he immediately gets out of the car puts his hands up preparing to be arrested right. and is arrested. And that's the whole thing. And I just want to know more about this situation. Like, why did he do that? Yeah. Seems like uh, some interviews from the police after that. And if that, those interviews somehow became public where, you know, open records request. But yes. what happens when you open records request this stuff? It's like four weeks later yeah. before you get yeah. that. Because for whatever reason, I don't even know why. We should note no injuries reported. But the other one was, uh, the other two are emotional support alligator. You can find this on wisdomnews.com. Named Wally denied entry into the Phillies stadium. This one's pretty, you know, this one, I, I don't, I, what, what are people thinking? Like, you're, do you think you're getting going to get into a Phillies game or a sporting event or any kind of public event or anything at all is, with your emotional support alligator? Wally, the five-foot-long emotional support alligator, the owner of Wally, goes to Citizens Bank Field for the Phillies baseball game, tries to get in with Wally, and is denied entry. Now, the stadium's policy on support animals says certified service dogs or service dogs in training for guests with special needs are welcome. All other animals are prohibited. So I guess if you go by the letter of the law there, they were correct to deny entry to Wally the alligator. Can you imagine just like seeing an alligator? You're going into a ball game and there's an alligator wandering around. Should there be a penalty for this person trying to do this? I feel like alligators in public should be like, you know, at least like a like a warning or a yeah. $50 fine now, or something. Apparently the alligator's really nice and hasn't well, what's going on chopped here anyone's is, head off. <laughs> what's going on here is I think what happens is every media outlet picks this up. Yes. AP picks it up, and then every media we picked it up. Um, and it's funny. And you want to yeah, – what? This is funny. Like, you guys, this is – well, that dude's got a social media page. Everyone's got their own Instagram page. Wally, the Instagram alligator. And, you know – A it's TikTok fun, it's, even. It's probably fun to follow. Well, how do you get your follow? How do you get a couple billion more followers? Well, you bring a Wally to a well Phillies game. Would be, you know, maybe maybe bring him to the the Wisconsin Capitol and see if the governor wants to meet him. That's the unanswered question here. 
Was this a publicity stunt? Yeah, this was definitely a publicity stunt. And I bring up bringing it to the Wisconsin Capitol. Yeah. Not a better publicity stunt than bringing it to a Phillies game. You could go to a different game, I think. You could have waited a couple weeks and ta- taken him to a playoff game and then really got the attention. But I bring up uh, I bring up the governor's office because this just happened two day, uh, Wednesday. Um, a guy with a, a, a holstered handgun, right? He, he yeah. wants to talk to the governor, right? Goes into the Capitol and, and they arrest him. You can't have a gun on the Capitol because, you know, I don't know. I feel like uh, only only the government bans guns from. And then uh, he b- gets bailed out or bails. He's bailed out of out of jail and uh, he returns later that night. So he returns later that night as if Governor Evers is working into the night. Come on, guy. 9 p.m. at night. Governor <laughs> Evers has gone to bed at eight o'clock. Like Governor Evers is a guy that goes to bed at eight. He right? looks like the kind of guy who goes to bed at yeah, eight. Yeah. So the yeah. idea that he and of course this guy's not in his right mind because he comes back with an a, what the the story says assault assault style rifle, uh, and and wants and demands again to talk to the governor and is arrested again. But what is this guy want to talk to the governor about? Do we have all that information? You know. Yeah, it's a really scary situation. The AP story made an interesting point, saying that the Wisconsin Capitol is one of 13 state capitals that does not have either metal detectors or X-ray machines. So this has sparked conversation about security at the Wisconsin State Capitol. Actually, there was a rare instance of agreement between the Democratic Governor Evers and the Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, saying that they don't think additional security is necessary in light of this incident that might be the only point of agreement that those two have had in a very very long time uh getting back to the phillies alligator emotional support alligator joe is making the claim that it may be in the the guy that brought the alligator to isn't the one that needs the emotional support joe is making the claim that the alligator can't be home, left home alone because it will get separation anxiety oh that's an interesting point I, I mean when i first moved to the area and i had my dog uh when i left her for the first time home alone she ate all the basement carpet off the floor i imagine an alligator left alone could do some damage yeah i would imagine so then it was uh then i had to tile my basement floor she just she didn't know like oh my god are you leaving me home alone sure and then the next day when i then i i, I secluded her to just one room and then she in that room she ate all the sheetrock off the side of the wall. So there was some separation anxiety going there. Joe Joe, you have a good point. Maybe the alligator can't be left home alone, but I would say if you have a alligator that can't be left home alone, then we need alligator care in this country right now. Child care funding, <laughs> alligator care funding, everything. I would also note, Rick, on your point regarding social media, Wally the Gator has twenty six thousand followers on Instagram. 100,000 followers on TikTok. Okay, but you know what would be interesting is let's go back out in time one week. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you can. Uh, there's probably a way to, an, to get the analytics. Nobody's writing about Wally the Alligator's analytics on social media, but I bet that jumped by 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 like uh, 50,000 or something like that. I'm on checking TikTok. right now. Since this story was written a week ago, Wally the Gator has gained seven thousand followers on instagram okay it so worked. that's that's a significant that's a significant the publicity jump. worked if i were to do uh, something like that i would get an extra seven followers and that would be a significant jump for me on social media <laughs> an extra seven the last story that we have we kind of teased a little bit before we uh take a break and maybe uh go back to you know some non-nonsense news is u.s custom officials sees giraffe poop 
We could just call it poop, right? Can sure. we just call it poop? Feces, yeah. like, oh, feces. We're so hot, hotsy, tatsy. Like, uh, At my daughter's daycare, they call, so, it, call it a bowel movement. Okay. Giraffe. <laughs> no, you can't call it a bowel. The, the post-bowel movement, that's I would right. say. Right. But that's, Whatever. How, that's how it get li- gets listed on our daily schedule. Like, at this time, she oh. had a bowel movement. Oh, okay. They have, to, they have to record that? It does you? get recorded. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Uh, dirty diapers. Um, all right, so, yeah, she brought giraffe dra- uh, feces through the airport, and uh, we do have enough. Do we have enough details here? We know why. I, we but have do we... quite a few details here. So we know that she wanted to use the feces to make a necklace. She also says that she had done this in the past with mouse poop, bringing it to make – maybe using it to make a necklace. Now – Interestingly, giraffe poop, according to the Associated Press, can be bought back into the U.S. with proper permits and inspections. Now, here's what I want to know. Chergosky's hand gestures right now are unbelievable. I'm just, I'm I'm really into this story. (laughs) What permit do you need to bring giraffe feces into the United States? And what type of inspection is necessary? And who does the inspection? Who is the giraffe poop inspector in the United States government? Or who does that kind of thing? That's what I want to know. We have done many stories in the past about this. We have talked about the many stories in the past about things. We we tried to call La Crosse Regional Airport Director Ian Turner. Hey, during, Ian, what do you do? During the news Giraffe break. poop shows he, up at the he airport. He has in the past answered the phone because sometimes whatever secret number I had, it would go to where it would go then to his cell phone. Uh, but I didn't I didn't dial the right number. So Ian Turner has had a lot of fun. What it was that a frozen chicken, a gun in a frozen chicken. That yep. was one. What was yep. the other one that was just way out there? Uh, the things that go through airport security. And I mean, we did the serious topic, too, like a gun going through regular gun. But like the, the one the best one was like a frozen, like a whole chicken with a gun stuffed yes. in it. And then we didn't even care about the gun. But we're like, Ian, can you bring the frozen chicken through? <laughs> Airport security. So, all right. We gotta- I think Ian's probably happy he didn't pick up the phone when our question was basically, "What are some stories about feces at going through the airport?" Oh, and then and getting back to this, who the bleep is wearing a giraffe poop necklace? Yeah, like, like what? Wh- that's the next thing I want to know. Like, what is the market for giraffe feces necklaces? And this lady didn't do enough when she was when when she was interv- she was interviewed about this, you know. Because she's got to go, well, I have a social media page where I sell giraffe poop necklaces, and it is, you know, giraffe poop necklaces at, you know, or whatever. It's TikTok slash, TikTok.com slash giraffe feces necklace, and if you want to go there. So she, you know, the Phillies, Wally the Gator at the Phillies game did a great job of gaining 7,000 followers on Instagram, and he has, like, way more people on TikTok, so I'm sure that blasted off, too. Uh, this lady didn't do her job. She did not get her social media out there. She is not going to make a whole lot of. It's all about becoming an influencer. Well, and nowadays. she's just not going to sell that many more giraffe poop necklaces. <laughs> but there's the details <laughs> that the customs agents aren't going to ask, right? Where can you buy one of these goods? Because they're <laughs> like, you can't bring giraffe. Where did you get the giraffe feces? Also, do we have that? We need that too, right? Where yeah. Did, where did they come from? Did well, you? I mean, we know you, where they came from, but like we know the country. You know. But did you follow a giraffe? Right. Did you reach across into the zoo cage and grab? <laughs> did you wear gloves? Did you use Mark Pocan's blue gloves that are hanging on the wall in his office? All right, we'll be back. 
All right, back to business here on the Crosstalk PM. We really got enough nonsense. Enough of this giraffe feces and Wally the alligator, although maybe those two could connect and uh, that lady could get alligator feces necklaces going on her TikTok. I don't know. Still don't know her TikTok. It's sad, sad she didn't get that out there as the national media picks up the fact that she brought giraffe feces through and tried to get it through airport customs. Not really sure why that's not a big deal. So uh, we try to get Ian Turner, lacrosse regional airport director, to come on and see, you know, if he found draft feces through going through uh, the metal detector or the, what do you call that <laughs> thing, the x-ray machine, right? Like, what would it look like? Have you ever had to have, I mean, I don't know, like maybe hide the draft feces in your infant's diaper when you're going through, right? Mm. You're talking about your baby's uh, bowel movements yes. at daycare, right? Yes. Like. That would be a good way to sneak in. In fact, Rick, nowadays the technology is so advanced that I have a little notification on my phone that indicates when she had a bowel movement at daycare. Do we need that? So, uh, so I'll be in class. I'm not a dad. I'm not a father. I, mean, I haven't gone I through an infant experience. I don't know if we need this. Do I don't know if we need Well, this. you should. Do you need to know when your daughter pooped? I feel like it is useful information because if she didn't go during the day while she's there and she doesn't go at night, that that is important information. Is it? What would you do with that information? Okay, my daughter hasn't pooped in 20 hours. After a while, you start to get concerned. At what time? When do you start to get concerned that your daughter hasn't uh, messed her diaper? If it's been over a day, we start to get worried. Has it ever happened? I, I think it has. I don't think it's ever gotten to the point where we've called her doctor, though. Okay. 20 hours. 20 hours. You're getting like... Mm, We're getting a little nervous. What do you do? Just send an email? No, you call the... Hey, my daughter didn't poop in 20 hours. <laughs> and they're going to be like, give her some... Prunes. Yeah. Prunes are what Prune does juice. it. That's what does it. Yep. But you would have already done that before you made the call. Yeah, we give her some prunes. Now, if the prunes don't do it, then you call the doctor. I would say it's more important for me to know at doggy daycare when my dog... <laughs> Had a quote unquote bowel movement because then I don't have to let my dog out because, oh, 345 bowel movement. I go over there at four and brought her and got her and brought her home. And then I have to leave to go do the show. And now, you know, I can, I've got from three, you know, I've got like six, seven hours before I have to be, be home to at least not have a mess on the floor if I come home. Aren't there like doggy daycares that give you that information? I don't take my dog to oh, doggy okay. daycare. I'm just saying like, it would be good information I to know like for. I feel like they, some of them do. Because it would be a little, if your daughter just was walking around and you didn't, ha- diapers didn't exist and they weren't wearing pants and they just pooped on the floor. Well, I don't like, even want to imagine such a world. Right. Imagine that though. Imagine that kids, your kid is just naked all the time time your infant and then when it, whenever it happens it happens there on your couch on your floor you always have to be ready you're like here she looks like she's got that look in her eye get her above the sink or the toilet or whatever it would be so because that's how we live with dogs we're gonna be like we got to figure out like the dog and us got to figure out a line of communication that means hey rick i i gotta go take me out hey just on this topic i will say as parents we have learned that the bath to in a diaper transition needs to happen quickly because if that transition does not happen quickly there can be problems bathroom going from the bathtub to getting her into dried and into a new diaper oh that there's a accidents happen accidents can happen even in that short window of time well, it'd be all right if it you just throw, if it's in the just bathtub, hold her back over yeah. the bathtub. <laughs> right. You just hold her right. over. That's right. I mean, is it? I don't know. With a boy, I feel like there's a stream that comes out, and it could just it could be reckless. 
wherever that stream goes as an infant boy. But as a girl, does it just maybe go a little bit more straight down and it's a little bit easier to manage? Well, this is manage? why the diaper's got to get on. Diaper's well, got to get on. <laughs> it's not where I was going to go with the Brewer Stadium funding, <laughs> but that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Milwaukee held a, uh, the state of Wisconsin held, would you call this a public hearing or a hearing within the government that the public could witness? It was a state assembly hearing. Yeah, it wasn't a public hearing because I misunderstood that. Yep. So it was a, a state assembly. So if Governor Evers had called a special session to do, uh, to discuss the Brewer Stadium funding thing, then this hearing wouldn't have happened because the legislature would have gaveled in and out of that and said, bleep it, bleep off, Governor. This is very much driven by the fact that Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss wants this deal to happen. He is championing this deal to have funding about $700 million worth total between the state contribution, the local contribution, and the team contribution. But Robin Voss wants this to happen. How political is is this? Because the Brewers are popular. Although they're very unpopular, I think, in the last couple of days. Probably very, now, except for very Grant Bills' uh, podcast that you guys need to go on wisdomnews.com or wktysports.com. Look for the story about the bobblehead and listen to that 30 minutes. Aside from that, the Brewers, the worst, I, I put it on the website the other day. The worst possible time for a public hearing or a, a, a legislative hearing on the Brewer Stadium right? funding that the public could watch would have come at 9 p.m. the night the Brewers were eliminated from the playoffs. The second worst time would be the next morning <laughs> when all the sports talk shows are talking about how the Brewers completely folded again in the playoffs. Let's hold a public hearing to give them $614 million of public money. Yeah, horrible, horrible timing. And it's a, I can't believe they didn't just postpone it. You know what? We should probably postpone this. Yeah, someone should have thought of the possibility that they might get eliminated from the playoffs and then the next morning have this public hearing. The stupid hearing should have came a week ago when yeah. they were, oh, the Brewers made the playoffs? Hold the hearing! <laughs> this is the most po- If they want to get a deal done, this is political, right? These don't get- just hold the hearing. Hold the vote right then. These re- Republicans want to be responsible for keeping the Brewers, right? Yes, but do. do they want to be responsible for spending 600 more? These fiscally responsible Republicans want to be responsible for dousing out $614 million of the public money. Yeah, there's a lot at play here, Rick. The amount of money for sure, the $400 million from the state, that is certainly an eyebrow-raising sum of money. The local share as well. Yeah, The local share at first was $200 million. Word on the street is that that a dollar amount is coming down because you better believe that the local officials in Milwaukee were howling over the amount of money that they were being asked to contribute to the renovations, seem to be substantial I'm, renovations I'm, to American I'm, Family I'm Field. I'm brainstorming here, but I kind of wonder, based on per capita of Milwaukee or Milwaukee, the city or Milwaukee County, wherever you want to get that 200, now let's do the city of lacrosse with a 42 million dollar lacrosse center expansion i wonder what the burden is per capita for that versus this and then and then how controversial it is although the state did give us five million dollars governor walker gave us five million dollars for that it's an excellent question rick goes to that broader point about public contributions to these projects for entertainment centers of course the lacrosse center is not just an entertainment center they do a lot of things like weddings and conventions yeah, it, it seems clear to me that the local contribution for the American Family Field renovation is going to go down quite a bit. And then the question is, okay, what else is on the table? There's talk about changes, including a ticket tax to potentially pay for some of this. Yeah, this this one got me. We want to winterize the stadium so that we can hold – so Beyonce yeah. and, and Taylor Swift can have concerts in the in winter. Awesome. Well, the Brewers get all that. 
yeah. that money. Who so, benefits? So right? the county, the city, the state don't benefit. So what do we do? The 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 amendment is to add extra pricing to the tickets. So we're just double taxing the public. Uh, and then maybe the city, county, and the state get some of that because of the added pricing on the ticket price. That's uh, unbelievable. Rick, the other thing, development around American Family Field. I mean, you drive by that place. It is a sea of parking lots. And so will there be development surrounding there? We just don't know. That's one of the sticking points. I got to say it. How do you keep the brewers to stay in Milwaukee forever? This is my thing. You don't offer $614 million of public money. You offer the brewers the stadium for a dollar with the promise that they stay here, but only until they win a World Series. And then they can leave. 